I have the vocabulary now as I get older to say like, oh, this is my mission. It's my mission to help other people. And this is the way in which I can blend my skills and help. Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. On this week's episode, we have Sarah Barzueta. She is a writer and creative. Please enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here. So happy to have you. Thank you so much. So we were kind of chatting before um, and, you know, we know each other uh, with a long history, um, not really, but um, it's been so great getting to know you. But for my listeners and viewers, now that we're on uh, camera as well, I'm curious kind of if you could give us some of some of your personal background, maybe where you're born and raised, um, how you kind of got uh, into the industry. Um, yeah, let's start there. Sure. So I'm born and raised in New Jersey. Woo-woo. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jersey girl through and through. Um, and then I moved out to California and that's how I met you, Alan. I moved out about 12 years ago, um, pursuing acting, directing, writing. Um, I worked in New York for a while and did some stuff there. I worked for a couple of news networks, documentary, and then really wanted to transfer to narrative storytelling, which is why I moved to California. The, the market was just better at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that was, I've always been a, a, a creative. I mean, from, I started dancing when I was seven years old. I knew at 10 years old, I wanted to be a performer. Um, like I would ask my parents every year for Christmas, like an agent and a headshot. Like, I don't know what 10 year old does that. Like I did that for a good five years until they were just like, it's not going to happen until you're 18. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Um, so that, that is that. And, um, yeah, I've had some success. I've, um, you know, done some great indie films, have created my own content, worked at production companies, and now I'm transitioning to launching my own, uh, creative writing company that's called the Sarah Rose Agency, which mm-hmm. is doing copywriting primarily for champions of women's health and wellness. Amazing. That's fantastic. So I'm curious, kind of, what was it like coming out to Los Angeles, you know, going across the country? Um, and getting started here, I'm sure that you had some struggles along the way and things were maybe not the most, you know, yellow brick road glorious as you might have seen. And if you could share kind of some of those stories that, uh, you know, maybe helped you to kind of grow as uh, a young woman coming out to LA. A yellow brick road. It was more like a dirt road in the back of the woods. <laughs> we don't have woods here in LA, but okay. I, no, I get what you're I, saying. I grew up around woods, okay? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I came out here. I'm not even going to say the age because I'm not going to age myself since I already said how long <laughs> I've been out here. So nice try. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I came out. I, you know, I was young and I knew that this is where I needed to be. And I never necessarily planned on being out here for as long as I've been out here. I basically mm-hmm. told family and friends, I'm going for at least three years. By five years, I should definitely be bi-coastal. And mm-hmm. like, like who has success in five years like that? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but I really hit the ground running. Um, when I was in New York as a side hustle, I would bartend and mm-hmm. cocktail waitress and things like that. So I brought those skills and hustle to 
Los Angeles. And when I got here, I did not have a job and I had about a month's worth of money. So I was like, I need to get a job now. And I just went up and down uh, Hollywood Boulevard, Cahuenga, like all the big boulevards in the heart of LA and walked in to every bar, every restaurant and would say, hi, can I speak to your manager? I just moved here. I would always say New York because they know, you know, I did bartend a couple times in New York and it just mm-hmm. sounds better than New Jersey because what do they know about New Jersey? Probably nothing. Mm-hmm. And right. I would say from, you know, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from New York. I know how to hustle. If you ever need an extra bartender, please give me a call. I'm available. And I literally just every single one walked up and down for a couple of hours. Wow. Um and I got two calls, um, which was awesome. One was like a little family owned kind of wine, um, an Italian joint. And the other one was more of a sports bar. And so I did that mm-hmm. for a while um, while going on auditions. I got into a show. Like I actually like had a lot of success when I first moved out here in the theater um, realm of L.A. So that mm-hmm. was really exciting because that was my heart. I, I mean... I grew up doing theater, so that was home to me. Mm. And but yeah, it was hard. I mean, I did not have a, a ton of money. You know, mm. I always kind of had to live uh, hand to mouth uh, when I first was out here, just because all my extra money went to my craft. All my money went to acting classes, headshots, marketing mm. materials, whatever, to get myself out there. So yeah. that was. Um, it, a lot of disappointment, a lot of harsh feedback from casting mm. directors and agents and managers. Um, right. But, you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, when you feel like you have a calling or something that you're meant to do, that you, you push through it, you know? Mm. Yeah. What do you, what's one piece of advice that you would give to a young actor or actress for that matter? Um coming out to LA and wanting to do it now in 2022 post COVID and, you know, trying to jump into uh, the field of this entertainment industry. Well, I would say that the entertainment industry has changed a lot since I first moved out here, you know, a decade ago. Um, You know, now I don't think, I think there's a couple of great things that happened to the entertainment industry because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And that is um, being more virtual which Mm. you can take now there's certain classes you can take virtually there's certain a lot of auditions are self-tape um so for people a lot of people you might not have to live in la you might be able to get away with coming out for a couple of times a year um getting your feet wet making those connections and then making the move um so that's really amazing there's a Mm. lot more information and tools online which there weren't really when i was first came out Um, the other thing that I would say is to, you know, I, it was great that I had bartending and bartending can be a great moneymaker, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely hard to break into that niche. I don't career job in in LA because there's so much competition. Um, and I, you know, I, I wouldn't even say that it's the best because if you're trying to do theater, you're working at night at the bar. Um, what I would say is to find something that you can enjoy enough to give you a stable income while you're out Mm. here, whether like, even if you're like a bookkeeper or, you know, it could be something completely out of the realm of entertainment industry, but something where you can make a steady, decent income because it's really expensive to live here. 
so that you can give yourself that opportunity so that you can pay for acting classes so that you can pay for your marketing materials, for your website, for, for all the networking events you want to attend, because Mm -hmm. without that financial stability, it's going to make it a lot harder and it's going to take you a lot longer. You know, I wish I had kind of, I mean, my other bread and butter was working in production in TV and film, which is equally as hard to break into, which is also grueling time wise. You know, it's like if I'm on set as a producer or a director or an AD or whatever role I was filling at that time, um, cause I did a little bit of everything. I couldn't take any acting jobs. I couldn't even do a self tape because most likely my schedule was insane. So it wasn't the great backup plan that I kind of thought it was going to be when I was like, Oh, I'll just know everything about the industry. And then I can work in every, you know, aspect and yeah, I can, but it's, you can't do more than one at a time. So it's not like a backup plan in any way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm kind of curious, what do you consider to be um, maybe a personal success um, that you've achieved that you may not necessarily be known for? Ooh, that's a really good question. Something that you take, even that you take pride in per se. I would say that, can I give you two things? Of course. Okay. One is um, my ability to keep putting myself out there. I feel like I have had so many setbacks that were out of my control, Um, whether it's just like awful things that happened to the projects I was working on that I, you know, again, out of my hands or things Um, you know, I had this other project that was starting to gain momentum and then the pandemic hit and it kind of obliterated it. And so there were, there's been a lot of setbacks, but with every setback I have, I've kind of tried to learn what I can from it to grieve it in its own way, because every, you know, it's your baby, you know, um, and I have a baby too, but, uh, we can talk about that another time. Um, but you know, grieve, grieve the project, grieve the loss, the artistic loss, and then be able to move on and put myself out there again, because that's all you can do as an artist. Like there's never going to be, I, and I wouldn't want one project to define me as an artist. Um, but I would say like the other thing that a lot of people I don't know, it's not like wide known about me is that I'm a poet and I love my poetry. And it's something that I did a lot when I was younger and I recently reconnected to during the pandemic because I had my baby in March of 2020, which was, you know, I don't know which changed my life more becoming a mother or becoming a mother when the world shut down, because Mm. I think both are huge life events and I had them simultaneously. Um, So I had to figure out a way to be creative without being physically in other places, both because it wasn't safe for the pandemic and it wasn't safe. You know, I had this child with like, no, he was brand new and no immunity. And I didn't want to put myself in a position where I could get sick and get, give anything to him. So, um, I I had to really pivot in my creativity and I just found myself connecting with my poetry again. And it really sparked something in me and, really 
really got a lot of my creative juices going again. And it was something I, I'm excited about. It's something that um, I, I'm planning on releasing more of my poetry and having a book published and um, still fine tuning all the poems. But I mean, over the course of a year, I think I wrote about 50 poems. Wow. So it's, uh, it's definitely something that's significant in my life. And it's something that when I'm creatively stunted in any way, I just kind of put it whatever I'm trying to do on the side and just write my thoughts down and all of a sudden kind of comes into a poem and comes together. And it just, it's my inner world in writing. Wow. That's beautiful. Um, you know, the name of this podcast is the creative Lotus podcast. Uh, and as you already know, but, and I'm sure listeners who've been listening for a bit now know as well. Um, but you know, the simultaneity of, uh, the Lotus flower of kind of seeding and blooming at the same time, but really that bloom really coming from, you know, struggle or, uh, what, you know, the shit or the, the muck underneath is actually what, right. Gives it the ability to bloom and also seed at the same time. So I always like to ask every guest, you know, kind of what do you consider to be kind of the struggle that you may have gone through here in Los Angeles uh, that has ultimately led to your career kind of blossoming? I mean, you've kind of already shared a little bit about that, uh, you know, pivoting and everything, but I'm curious for you personally, kind of what do you see as that uh, lotus flower blossom being of your life? You know, I, I would say for me, I, I hit an emotional rock bottom during the pandemic. Cause I think between, um, just everything that was happening in the world and not getting any sleep and right. being in charge of a new human and that responsibility, you just, I felt so emotionally drained. Um, mm -hmm. and I was really asking myself the questions of is what I'm doing important mm -hmm. and is what I'm doing worthy of my time because it really shifted everything in me so often in my adult life and in my professional career, I've had to make a lot of sacrifices mm. um, on what I could and couldn't attend because I had to be available in LA or I had to, I couldn't afford to do that vacation or this or that because I had to pay for acting classes or, or a workshop or whatever. And, um, you know, I think I had this really deep reflection during the pandemic and and when I was creating to my poetry and mm -hmm. I didn't really know I knew what I was doing wasn't working and wasn't where I should be but I didn't exactly know where my road was going to go mm -hmm. so I just kind of sat in it and I waited and I was uncomfortable and I felt restless and I felt in limbo which is something that I've never felt before because I oh, like I literally from the time I was 10 years old and then my first theater show, I was like, I'm going to be a famous actress. And so to not be like, I don't think I should pursue this at this moment. I don't think it's the best time in my life to be pursuing this was a revolutionary for me. Like it really was. It, it wasn't it was something that I was like, who am I if I'm not doing this? And so. I, you know, that's when I really started reconnecting to my poetry. And, and then, you know, I've always been a writer, but I never identified as a writer. You know, I wrote like over 50 articles online for this online journal and I've created and um, developed TV shows and films and things like that. But I never was like, oh, I'm a writer. It was just like, okay, I do this to support my other things. 
And a couple people had mentioned copywriting to me and I was like, well, I don't really 100% know what that is. I don't really know how I would get into that. Like, what is it? Um, I feel like a lot of people don't know that question. Like, I think we've talked about this before. It, it's yeah. not like the Library of Congress, like I'm copywriting your material so that no one right. knows it. Uh, <laughs> copywriting is any writing that provokes an action. So whether it's, it's, it's like mostly sales writing, advertising, but a lot of the articles you read online are info articles that are getting you to purchase a product or a couple of products or whatever. So it's, it's a lot more present than you think it is. It's not just like what Don Draper did in mm. Mad Men. Yeah. Although I'm pretty sure I could have done that job while I was like rewatching it during the pandemic. I'm like, wait, I can do this. I feel like Peggy. Um, so, so, um, but yeah, I, I kind of looked into it more. I, I took a class in it. I started writing for a couple of different companies and I found that it's something that fulfills my creativity and my nerd section of my mind. <laughs> it's something I'm in complete control of, which is great because I'm type A. Um, I can pick my clients. I can pick when I work, which is great as a mom. And it gives me that flexibility. And it also gives me the flexibility and the privilege to then have a source of income that is not my art. So my art is not reliant on making me money which right. I felt like there have been compromises over the years of, of putting myself out there for projects or different things that I wasn't totally in love with because yeah. I was like, but it pays. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's like anytime I do anything artistic, whether it's my poetry or a, a different type of creative writing, it's um, or even dance, I'm a dancer, it's all just for love. It's for love. It's for my creative and artist, artistic fulfillment. And, you know, which is amazing. I've never, I never experienced that before. It's, it was always like it had to look this way, you know, and I still want to have my success in the entertainment industry. It's just right now I want to be available for my son in a way that I can't be if I'm on set for 12 hours or more. Right. Right. So it was just a decision that I had to really look at. Yeah, Absolutely. I think um, you bring up a really good point, which is, you know, sometimes in this entertainment and, you know, creative world, you know, we think that it has to be one way. And if we don't do that, then, you know, it's not successful. And so then either we pivot or, you know, we just completely exit. But um, I was just talking the other day with another creative for the podcast and, you know, they shared that, um, you know, sometimes it takes, you know, these huge directors or people that are in this industry over, you know, 15, 20 years before a project is even like finalized, right? So um, I'm just curious, it seems like you have such a like perseverance and determination. Um, and I'm just curious kind of like how and what is the thing that kind of keeps you going uh, and staying kind of on course, even if you are pivoting, right? And starting to, to lean into your more creative writing. Um, and, you know, like you said, you're gonna start this, you know, creative writing indust um, industry, agency rather, um, so kind of what and where does that perseverance come from for you? I think it's always been mission based. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, it's never come from a selfish place as of like, oh, I have to get the glory. 
Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love performing Mm -hmm. and I love praise. Love it. Flattery will get you everywhere with me, but more so I've always wanted to change the world. I've always wanted to be someone that makes, makes it better. I just want to make it better. I want it to make more peaceful. I want people to have what they need. I, I feel like there's so many people that are suffering needlessly, needlessly, because they, we have the resources. It's just about connecting the resources to those people. Right. And when I thought about art, the thing that really has always drawn me into art, other than the fact that I'm like a highly sensitive and emotional person that just feels like seen and heard when I'm artistic, like in my artistic bubble, but people let their guard down when they're experiencing art, whether it's in the TV and film medium or a theater or a book or a painting, they just let their guard down and they're experiencing maybe new ideas or new situations that they wouldn't have if you just even had an open dialogue with them. Mm -hmm. You know, people are willing to go to a movie about something that they know nothing about and maybe that'll plant a seed in their mind and maybe they'll be more open-minded or maybe that'll change the trajectory of their life. I find that most people that are in the film industry, they always have a film that's like, oh, I just, this film made me want to make movies or this wanted me or I loved that I could get lost in this or, or you know, there's some kind of common ground there. Mm-hmm. So that was always my persistent is I always felt like once I get really successful, I can make the projects that I want to make that are going to be you know, changing the world, that are going to give a voice to the voiceless, that will give people that need jobs jobs. And that was really my drive. Mm. And then I just kind of realized it was going to take me a lot longer to get to that level. Um, and I didn't have that time with my son. I, 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 he was not sleeping. He, there was a pandemic. I just didn't have the same, you know, working around the clock hamster wheel schedule to give to that that I was given previously before I became a mother. And when becoming a mother changed me so profoundly that I knew because of my own issues with women's health, uh, like, you know, having a hard time getting pregnant, having a really rough pregnancy, having labor issues, um, preeclampsia, postpartum depression and anxiety. I've had all of these things. I've had miscarriages. So I feel like I've really experienced the spectrum of gynecological issues, quite frankly. And that made me also so painfully aware that it's things that we never talk about openly in society. And they happen so frequently. And so many women have so much shame. And they're just suffering. They're just you know, it's these things that we have to go through on our own because we can't talk about it and it's too uncomfortable for people to hear, you know, or whatever their bag is. And so it made me also be like, I want to be a champion for women's health. I want to make a difference. Like I want, I don't want the answer when you ask your doctor why this happened for it to be like, well, it's common or, you know, we'll just put you on a medication or, or they just don't have the answers because there's not enough research done on it. You know, like to me, that's, that's inexcusable. So I, I wanted to use my skills, which are more artistic leaning 
to help elevate people that are in the science world and are doing the work to make a difference. And that's something that I can do right now. You know, like I can't create a film right now and be on set for 12 to 15 hours and work like a maniac, but I can support and write for companies that are making a huge difference in the women's health and wellness industry and do that from the comfort of my own home with the flexibility that I need as a, as a mom. So I think that, does that answer the question? I yeah, kind of yeah. forgot what the question was, to be honest. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I'm getting grossed in it. No, it, it does. It, it definitely um, speaks to everything that I was asking. You know, I think um, if I'm okay to say it, right, your your agency is the Sarah Rose Agency. And so... Please, scream it from the rooftop. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go. Right, um, <laughs> so... Um, I love that you're so focused as well. And I don't think that it's necessarily a niche so much as is that this is something that needs to really be talked about and written about, right? Obviously that's the purpose of it. So, um, and it sounds like a very personal thing to you and thank you so much for sharing, you know, your own personal stories, uh, because I think it is something that the more we do talk about it and the more we do share and the creative writing and talk about these issues, right? The less of a stigma and the less, you know, shh, you know, there is around things, uh, the the more we progress, you know, and we're, we're really able to make uh, huge strides and changes uh, in society. So thank you. Um, my next question is kind of, what do you consider to be your greatest weakness? But when you have that weakness kind of arise up, what do you do to overcome it for yourself? Oh, Cue the tools that my therapist gave me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, therapy. Thanks, therapy. Love you. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a good question. Um, well, we're going to get real for half a second, right? Um, Let's do it. So it's kind of ironic because I used to say during interviews, you know, when you're young and they're like, oh, what's your greatest weakness? And I was always like, I'm a perfectionist. Um, <laughs> and I thought that that was like the best answer. And uh -huh. the more that I learn about myself, the more I'm like, being a perfectionist is the worst. <laughs> like, it causes anxiety and it yeah. can lead to depression because you're comparing yourself and it's never good enough but what's good enough and so i like ironically i was saying my truth i just didn't realize what the truth was all along mm. um i i would still say my perfectionism is my greatest flaw it has helped me in life because it gives me uh, <laughs> the anxiety that i get from perfectionism keeps me up at night to let me do a good job but I also, um, you know, it, it, it's been a thief of joy in my life as well, because there's always that little voice that says like, but is it good enough? Are you doing enough? Is it, you know, is it the best it can be? And so I, I'm definitely my own worst critic. Um, and I think that sometimes the standard that I hold myself to is completely unattainable. Mm -hmm. Um, but the tools that I'm using to combat this, this bitch called perfectionism, right? She's a nasty bitch. And basically what I do is like, I acknowledge it. I'm like, all right, is this, 
true? Is this true? Mm-hmm. You know, I like I basically start having like an Oprah sesh with my perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it, you know, when I feel myself spiraling, I'm like, is this true? Like, or is this something you're telling yourself to pr- protect? Or is this something you're telling yourself because you're scared? Mm-hmm. You know, w- and I'm not perfect at per- perfecting perfectionism. Um, but what I can say is looking at the distortions that I can sometimes have around a situation and my own work um, has been super helpful. And really having that question of like, instead of just like, wait a minute, there's a voice happening and it's telling me I'm awful and it's telling me that this isn't good enough. Is that truth? Or is that, you know, like I do this thing (laughs) where I sometimes, and this is the perfectionism in me, I don't know if anyone else does this, but I do this, where like, you know, not only do I compare myself, like let's say as an actor, I'd be like, oh, I'm just not good enough. I'd be like, I mean, look at Meryl Streep. I can't, I can't do that, what she's doing. And I'm like, okay, like one of the best actresses of all time. I'm comparing myself to, she's also been acting for probably, mm, how old am I? Like at least 30 to 40 years more than me. So mm-hmm. it's like not really a comparison. Like, you know, it's not accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? It's like, as a poet, I'll compare myself to like Maya Angelou and I'm like, should I be comparing myself to her? Um, you know, it's not so- Maya Angelou. <laughs> Cannot. It's okay. She's my favorite. And so it's just, you know, I think that that's the, my, my, it's, it's a, it's can be a, an advantageous quality to have in the sense that it really pushes me in my endeavors. And it gives me that persistence to want to be better constantly. Mm-hmm. But it also can be crippling because then it makes me feel never good enough. Right, right. So it's something that I'm trying to, like I'm on the tightrope and trying to still figure out so that I can actually enjoy my wins more and mm-hmm. um, and be okay with being a work in progress, like work in progress all the time. See, I can't even say it. Because I'm like, it's not perfection. Um, <laughs> do we need to do another take? Just, and say it again. And go. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Work in progress. I, are you really going to do another take? Because then I'll just take a sip of my drink. No. <laughs> well, no, that being said, I think everything that you're sharing is so relatable for so many people as well. Whether you're in acting or otherwise, perfectionism is the thing. I can definitely relate, relate myself. Um, but talking about wins, that actually kind of leads me to my next question, which is, you know, is there a moment, uh, that you felt as though you kind of made it? No, see, I can't even talk. Is there a moment that you felt like you, you made, it? made it? That's why you're stuttering. <laughs> you're like, you haven't made it yet, bitch. That's why I can't get the words out. God, I'm so done. No. Is there... <laughs> I'm leaving this in. No, so I'm just curious, is there a moment that you feel like you've made it or a real highlight of your career that you really had been working towards and finally achieved that for yourself? Hmm, where I feel like I've made it. I mean, I felt I I co-created this series called The Pet Peeve Police, which 
you helped us out. You did the, the, a lot of the photography for, which was amazing. And I was really proud of the amount of money we got to raise for the series and mm -hmm. the, what we were able to do with the amount of money we had and um, its success at the festivals that we sent it to. It won a couple of awards. Um, and so that was a really satisfying moment as a creative to see other people appreciate what I put out there. Um, but I, I, you know, and I don't know if this is an artistic thing, if this is a perfectionist thing, if this is a me thing, but I kind of feel like I'm still chasing that dragon of feeling like I've made it. I don't know if I'll ever feel that way. I mean, Maybe when I'm standing in like my beautiful New York City condo overlooking Central Park, I'll be like, I made it. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if I feel that way. I feel I think I feel more satisfaction with certain things. I have more peace for where I am in my life. And I mean, I'm really proud of the fact that I had the courage to keep pursuing something it was like you know a loveless relationship between me and my art for a long time i mean and loveless on on the arts part not on mine i was like a fanatic um but you know it took a, a lot of no's to even get like one yes mm -hmm. and so in that regard i don't really feel like i've made the pinnacle that i kind of wanted to reach yet but I'm really proud of what I've done and I, I'm proud that I've put myself out there, that I've gone after everything that I've gone after because a lot of people won't even do that. Um, and I'm really proud of the fact that I, you know, had that heart to heart with myself and really looked inward and instead of just trudging along trying to do the same thing that I knew wasn't working, I was like, well, what can work and what will bring me some joy and what will make the difference that I want to make and you know, I'm still figuring that out. I have, you know, my poetry that I'm trying to publish and I have a children's book idea and, you know, I have some, some irons in the fire for sure. So that's really exciting. And I, you know, I love that I'm a business owner and I have, I have that going for me and I love my copywriting agency and I still feel like I'm going to change the world. It's just a matter of I'm more open to how. Oh, yes. Very well said. Thank you so much. Um, so with that being said, I'm curious kind of what brings you the most happiness now that you've, you know, gone through all these trials and tribulations and, you know, like you said, seeing rejection and also wins, um, versus kind of, uh, what brought you happiness when you first started out, you know, can you kind of see the comparison between the two and maybe your growth, uh, from that time till now? You know, I think when I was first starting out and anytime I got a role, you know, uh, as an actor or a, a really cool project that I got to work on, I w there was this feeling of elation of like this, this youthful spirit of just like, yeah, I'm doing it. Um, and just excitement. And now it's different. Like there's a different type of excitement for what I'm doing with my company because it's mine and I'm doing it a hundred percent on my own. I'm not, co-creating with someone i'm not you know working for a production company or mm -hmm. you know i'm not 
acting for director. It's everything is on my terms. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Um, I think I just, I don't need, I don't, you know what it is? I don't need the wins in my professional life to be happy in my personal life. Mm-hmm. And I think that I really did when I was younger. I think that I would never feel happy unless I was succeeding in my professional life and where I had something that I was striving for, where I felt like that was something. And, you know, now I'm like, I have uh, a beautiful family. I'm so grateful for our health. Um, I'm grateful that I get to get up every day and spend time with my son and, you know, reach out to people that I really admire and, and get to work with them. And, and that's kind of amazing. You know, it's about finding the joy in the quiet and in mm-hmm. like the, the road instead of the destination. So yes. again, I still fight with my perfectionism on that. Like you caught me on a good day, but I, uh, <laughs> I would say like in general, I feel more at peace. I feel more at peace so that, you know, when I do have a win, it's like a great thing, but it doesn't define me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because I think that, it's too easy to get caught up in the wins, meaning that that is your happiness is based on that, right? But to um, so much of it is about the journey and not yeah, correlating the two as like your worth or you know however you translate that for yourself. So yes, that's beautiful. Um, so now that you have you know created this agency and everything, I'm curious, kind of like, what is your work ethic like? Because you're not depending on anyone else and you're really running the show, you know, from front to end and to the back end and around the corner and um and so kind of what is a day in the life like and how do you kind of manage to stay on top of everything for yourself and you know keep your creative agency going did somebody say i was staying on top of myself because that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) yes your assistant sent me a note and that's that's why i'm saying this thank you so much um i mean the great thing is when, you know, shit hits the fan in life, I don't have to ask HR for a day off mm. or scramble to figure it out. I can just be like, well, you know, I, I've learned boundaries the older I get. Um, so the type of people I work with are, I'm a little bit more picky because I want to work with people that I truly respect and that I know are good people and have the same sort of vision and that if there was an emergency, they wouldn't give me grief, but be like, go do your thing. Let us know when you you can be available because that's how I operate. You know, um, I, I, you know, I kind of stand on my integrity, my kindness and my want to make a difference. And so I expect that from the people I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my day to day, I, you know, because my income is dependent on how hard I work. It's good and bad because there's definitely it, you know, in, in this field, how hard you work, you will definitely see a return in your income versus the entertainment industry where you can work with a dog for a decade and not see anything. But the, that's great. But it also means that, you know, I'm starting a company from the ground up. So that means that I'm putting in a lot of hours that I'm not getting paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a toddler with like no childcare at the moment, it's mm. it's a lot. I get up early. I do work before he wakes up. I do work when he naps. Like 
this podcast. And then I, you know, do work in the evening and on weekends. And that's how I make it work right now. And the thing about that that's great is like I can do the day-to-day business stuff during that time. And then, you know, the writing I can kind of save for when I have chunks of time on the weekends. Because uh, mm-hmm. then my husband can watch my son. Mm-hmm. So that's what's working for me now. However, I did look at a preschool for my son, like a pre-preschool. And I'm hoping to send him there starting September so I'll be able to do more work-life balance and I won't have to work at all weird hours. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, I'm not only writing in a new genre, but I'm becoming a business owner again. And all of that is a lot of tools, a lot of tools to learn. There's a lot of information out there and I just, I want to do everything right. I want to bring value and, and, great content to everyone that I work with. And so it's just taking me that time, but mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, every day I'm better than the day before. So yes. I mean, yes. staying on top of it, we'll see, but like, I know I'm moving, I'm moving forward. Just yes. slowly. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. You just, yeah. Time. Every, every day making progress. It's what really matters. Um, so I'm curious if you've learned one thing or maybe multiple things about yourself by not only being an actor and in the entertainment industry, but now as a writer uh, that you may have not necessarily known about yourself prior to uh, doing the work that you do. Um, I think now that I'm writing and it's creating an income for me and I'm writing for other people, I'm more conscious of my responses. Um mm. In the sense that before when I would send an email or something like that to friends or even work, I didn't necessarily reread it. I was just like, da, 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 send, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now I'm making sure everything sounds well um, and, and that it's the right tone that I want to use and um, that all the information is there and, and kind of being a lot more thorough with my communication because so many things can get miscommunicated. Um, so I think that becoming writing and the business owner has made me just a lot more thorough in my communication. It's definitely something I've worked on a lot, like, you know, for my adult life, but it's something that I'm even more in tune to now. I love that. Um, I'm curious, where do you kind of get your inspiration and creative inspiration for your writing? I know that copywriting is obviously uh, specific to kind of a subject that you're working on, and you shared that before, but um, for your poetry even, where do you kind of, what gets you inspired and, you know, helps you to kind of get that creative flow going? Rage, depression, I don't know. Are we being deceased? <laughs> yes, yes. Let's, let's keep it real. Um, no, I mean, I think that so often in the past couple of years, between the pandemic, between all the shootings, between George Floyd, between just the horror that is the world right now, it's like a dumpster fire. Um, it's it's really fueled me to put some of my anger into words that don't sound so vicious um, and to get through the emotional turmoil 
that I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to take when I'm sitting in a feeling of hopelessness, right? I just feel overwhelmed or I feel like, how is this happening? Or why are we allowing this to happen again? Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I have some of my best work because it's just the poetry is guttural. You know, it's, it's, I, I, I don't write pretty poetry. I'm not like, you know, Emily Dickinson. I'm not, you know, I'm, it's, it's, it's very emo. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good, but it's also, it's very raw, you know, and it's, um, I created a Instagram profile, uh, called La Vie Boheme Artist, and that Mm -hmm. has my, a couple of my poems up and I should really be better at consistency with putting work up there. But I'm trying to also create a website that's just for my poetry. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I, I just think emotional heightened states and, or, you know, just anytime I'm feeling something encompassing, whether that's restlessness, rage, sadness, even joy, even joy. Mm Um, there's, you know, that's how I can kind of put that emotion and give it a form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think, yeah, keeping it real and using your emotions and what's going on in your environment to express how you feel through your own poetry is, um, is very kind of eye-opening for a lot of people, I'm sure, who read it, you know, but also very relatable at the same time. So... I'm sure it's eye-opening, but I'm also sure they know that I'm not overly, like, an even-keeled person. Um, <laughs> like, not in the sense that I'm unwell. It's just, um, <laughs> no, just I'm a very sensitive person. You know, you know mm-hmm. me. You know me very well. I feel everything. I feel everything deeply. And mm-hmm. so it's, in in a lot of ways, it's my greatest strength because it allows me to really trudge forward in the muck um when things are really hard and it gives me this mission-based persistence but it also like you know sucker punches me a lot like i can't you know um when there's an awful thing happening in the world i can't just go about my day like like you know during the uvalde shooting i can't just go about my day like children weren't just killed you know, I can't just be like, okay, now I'm going to go to the grocery store and get dinner ready. It's like, no, like, we need to sit in this. Like, I'm not, I'm not okay. And I don't think anyone should be okay. Um, so I think for the people that know me on a deep level, know that this is really who I am. Like, you know, this, this highly sensitive, emotional person um, who is fantastic at being type A and getting things done, but is, is pretty emotionally raw, you know, a lot of the times. And it gives me that, that avenue to explore that rawness in a safe place. Yeah, absolutely. You, um, yeah. And you touch on something that I think as society, right, we become so almost numb to these things happening. And so, um, yeah, I think that, your sensitivity, but also your understanding and 
uh, utilizing that muck, you know, or the shit below in the struggle for society and then feeling it yourself and then turning that into something um, artistic is, is beautiful, you know, because, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't reflect. And like I said, too many people become numb to these situations, you know, like these school shootings or, um, you know, mass shootings or killings. Um, and when you become so desensitized to it, how do you really kind of um, bring back the humanity to society? So um, I know that you're obviously Buddhist. That's how you and I know each other was our, our Buddhist uh, community. But I'm curious, kind of, does that, um, how does that influence you? And how do you, how does your faith kind of um, help you to, um, you know, do what you do? Uh, I think it keeps me steady. Um, you know, when I'm chanting, as you know, in Buddhist and the type of Buddhism we both practice, we chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. And when I'm chanting, I I find a um, a deep reservoir of of just wisdom and. And that's when I can really tap into the what ifs and why am I thinking this and, and how do I change it? And, and it helps a lot with just giving me courage, um, you know, because sometimes, you know, I've sat in front, in front of my Gohansen, which is the mandala that we chant to. Sometimes I've, you know, sat in front of it and I've just cried. I've just cried. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to get any words out. I've just cried. Um, but I think having that, that rhythm in my life, um, that spirituality has, has given me, it's like a warm blanket in, in a sense, in, in a very harsh world, because I know that with my spirituality and with my Buddhist practice, I truly can face things head on. You know, because I've gotten the answer so much and the community that we're in that uh, that's made up of other Buddhists is so supportive and welcoming. Mm-hmm. And I have just made friends for life that, you know, I don't think you see in, in other organizations. So, I, I, yeah, I think that that would be um, the biggest, you know, um, and it's helped tremendously with my anxiety. I mean, when I'm super mm-hmm. anxious, if I can get myself to chant and not talk myself out of it, I, mm-hmm. I feel better. Yeah. Well, you, you talked a, a few times about having kind of a mission, um, you know, with the work that you're doing. So um, can you kind of elaborate more on that? Like, what does a mission mean to you? You know, I think of a mission or some people that are listening and watching, you know, might think of a mission as like, you know, oh, you know, God sent me this mission that I have, or however uh, they may interpret that. But I'm curious for you, kind of, what does uh, your mission in this life, I guess, mean for you? Yeah, no, it's not God. Um, it's right. not. Yeah. Um, no, no harm there, but just um, it's not. You know, like I'm going to go to a third world country and and be a white savior. It's not that thing. Um, (laughs) Don't need that energy. Um, It's more of, 
you know, I've always had this like boldness, I guess you would say in my personality um, to just like, if I see something and I think it needs to get done, I'm just going to do it, you know, and I jump first, look at the water second kind of thing. And I've always really wanted to make things better. And like I said, change the world and, and have this, this lifetime of just good. Um, so that I knew that I, you know, when I leave this world that I'll have left it a better place than when I entered it. And I, you know, as much as I try to deny it, I've always had the audacity of believing that I've had the power to actually do that change while like fighting with my perfectionism and the anxiety and all the gremlins that are in my mind and the outward worldly forces that seem to come at me like none other. But I've always been like, well, if not me, then who? Mm -hmm. And so that's always kind of, and, and why not me? Right? Like, why not me? Why can't I? Um, because a lot of the whys are usually bullshit, right? They're usually just based on scarcity. Um, so I would say that I don't remember a time when I didn't want to have this like legacy of good or this kind of warrior nature. I mean, even when I was a kid, I was like getting into fights, not because I was picking fights, but I was helping standing up for and taking the punches for the people that were in the fights like trying to mm. protect them and I, I like I've always been that way and so it's it's kind of hard for me to know when I haven't and so it's just I think I have the vocabulary now as I get older to say like oh this is my mission it's my mission to help other people and this is the way in which I can blend my skills and help um and, and so I think it's more of that. It, it's, it's more. And then, you know, as I get older and as opportunities come and go and as I grow, I realize the ways in which I can help others and the way in which I can leave that legacy of good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Thank you. Very well said. Um, so on this mission that you have, who has been the number one supporter or biggest fan of yours uh, that has really kind of helped you to keep going through all the trials and tribulations that you have gone through? Me. I've been my biggest fan. <laughs> That's fair. That's um, fair. No, I've, I've actually, I have been lucky that I have a supportive family. I have an extremely supportive husband who's mm -hmm. always in my corner, who never tells me, I don't think you should do that. Who's always like, okay, what's it going to take? And what do you think? And is it going to make you happy? Cause like at his, at the end of his day, he just cares that I'm happy and healthy and living the life that I want to live. So mm -hmm. whatever that looks like, as far as my mission or what I'm doing, you know, day to day, he doesn't necessarily care. Um, which is refreshing, honestly, cause I, you know, coming from the entertainment industry there's so much competition so to have someone that's just like as long as you're happy like i'll i'll follow you into the dark kind of thing um 
So I have to give him a ton of credit. My parents have always been extremely supportive as well as my sister and my friends. But as much as I love outward validation, um, I, the person that's keeping me going is me, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm the one calling the shots. I'm the one who's telling me when I'm done. I'm telling me when to go after things. And, and I think that if I didn't have this drive, this, you know, it's not, it's not for my glory. You know, it's not to like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to win awards, like bring on the awards, bring on the cash money, but it's not why I'm doing it. You know, like I've already reached the part in me where I know that I'm a good writer. Like I know I'm a great actor. I know I'm a good writer. I know I'm a really amazing artist in a lot of different ways and I'm creative and I can give a lot to this world. So now it's just, it's not about proving to myself that I'm good. It's just about, um, you know, basically pushing myself to do the best that I can do. Mm-hmm. I, wow. I, is that an answer? I, I don't know if that's the complete answer to your question, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I hold so, a lot. Like I just go on a tangent. It's <laughs> and so good. sometimes I'm like, uh, did I bring that first full circle? <laughs> if I brought it full circle, <laughs> but if I didn't, just let me know and I'll do some ADR work. <laughs> hysterical. No, it was it was great answer. Yeah, and I think that um, you have to be the one to kind of push yourself forward, right? You own your own business. You're creating the content that you're creating and. Um, but to have that community or just people around you who are supportive, I think is really necessary. So you don't get bogged down or when you do get bogged down, those people are there to kind of help push you back up. So you're able to keep going forward again. So no, you definitely hit it right on the spot there. Um, so I'm looking to the future now, kind of what are some goals that you have, uh, for the next say three to five years or even 10 years from now, if we can think that far ahead. I mean, we can, I hope I look like, great um i hope my skincare routine you know keeps getting better (laughs) (laughs) um you know i actually you want you want to hear my goal i'll say it out loud so my goal is by july 12th of 2032 so 10 years is to have my a thriving successful business and creative empire that is valued at five million and above. Mm. That is my goal. And with that, I, you know, plan on using that money to put it back into a bunch of different organizations. Um, something that's really important to me is children. Mm. And I think that they were important before I became a mom, but I just becoming a parent has really skyrocketed that importance to me. Um, and so what I would like to do is once I have the capital is to really create a safe place for at risk kids and uh, kids that are in the foster system to be able to go and explore and learn who they are to feel safe to feel loved. I want to create mentorship programs. I want to have after school programs for them where there's the arts and there's sports and they can learn and there's career days and I can help them you know, get scholarships and, um, make friendships and feel like they have a family and feel loved. It's, 
very important to me. Um, and I want to do it right. I want the people that are working at this organization to be able to not worry about how their families are getting fed or their families are going to school or healthcare or anything like that. So, you know, there are numbers in my mind of, hey, this is how much people need to get paid to have a good life while they're doing this exceptional work. And yeah, I just, the fact that there's children that don't get to be children and do not know what it feels like to be unconditionally loved truly breaks my heart. And I, whatever I can do to change their lives, I want to do. So that is something that I really want to do with my success and money. So I'm really working hard to get that so that I can put it there. Amazing. That's so incredible. Yeah. I think the more we're able to help others, the, the more benefit it brings to ourselves, right? In the sense of like how, how much appreciation we are able to kind of spread and uh, through your own success, kind of giving back and helping others to be become happy as well is, is so amazing. I live by that same spirit. Um, so I'm curious. Um, <laughs> I'm like looking to my notes. I'm like, wait, where am I at? Um, well, you did this- ask. Another sip of this gift. Pink lemonade flavor. If you need a spokesperson. David- I need to first get the sponsorship, but okay, thank you. We'll work on that. Enjoy your spin drift sip. Um, no, so Real I'm sure it's better. It does. I can't. You're hysterical. So I'm curious, you know, I asked the same, <laughs> I asked the same question, uh, every episode and it, it tends to stump people. Um, but you seem to really have a path forward and these, this really great goal, uh, for the next 10 years. But my question is, if you were able to talk to your future self in 15 years from now, what would you say to your future self? What would I say to my future self? I feel, <laughs> you know, it came into my mind. Do you remember that um, graduation song from like 2000? And the guy was like, and trust me on the sunscreen. Um, <laughs> that came into my mind. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, I honestly don't know. I don't know what I would say to myself in 15 years. Um, I would ask my 15 year self from now advice. I would say, what am I not doing in this moment that I should be doing? Mm-hmm. Or have you achieved peace? You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it would be more that I would probably be like a selfish bitch and be like, tell me everything. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know what I would, you know, um, Maybe I would share a memory of something that happened that day that I thought was like the best, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's fair. Uh- <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I no. got. Sorry. That was no, a no, very no, no. short answer compared to the other ones. Oh, so this is a good one. So, what is your motto or phrase that you personally live by if you have one? I feel like I cycle through them, you know, like after I saw Dead Poets Society, I was like, carpe diem. Um, <laughs> you and everyone else, don't worry. Yeah, right. I was like, I'm going to tattoo it on my body like a basic bitch. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I think there's a couple. I um like um one would be like why not me? That's something that I'm saying more and more now is mm. why not me when I feel like I'm getting worried or nervous um or if I think to myself, well, can I do that? Like, is that too big? Um, but then it's like, why not? You know? Um, the other one is, it's a Buddhist quote, and I'm just going to paraphrase. But it's, um, you know, a sword is useless in the hands of a coward. And mm-hmm. so, um, big paraphrase. It's much longer than that. But... Um, it, it always reminds me of like, you know, you kind of, you, you have the tools, but you need the courage to use them. And so it reminds me to kind of get out of my head. And I think it's in line with that. Why not me? You know, um, if you, if you dream it, if you think it up, it's already there for you. So you just have to work hard to try to get it. So yeah, I think live with integrity, like, you know, that kind of stuff. I, you know, like it's a really good question. There's so many, honestly, there's so many quotes that have touched my heart and it's, it's hard to be like, Oh, well that one is something that I live by because I, I, it depends on what I'm going through at that time. It's it's like, okay, this, this really touched me, but I think, you know, uh, it's just really like at the end of the day, I'm, I'm so in tune with anything that's about courage and, um, just to have the audacity to be that hero that you need in your own story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Being the hero of your own story. I like that. Um, trademark by Sarah Rose Agency. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, so that actually kind of leads me to the last question I have, which is, uh, where can people find you and, uh, how can they follow along on your journey of both the Sarah Rose agency as well as Sarah Barzlota? Well, I know so many of you are dying for this knowledge. Um, you've just been eagerly awaiting it this entire podcast to know how you can get in touch with me. Um, and so on Instagram, my entertainment industry handle is at Sarah Del Pizzo, which is my maiden name. And that's my stage name. Um, and my poetry is at La the Bohem artist. Um, and my agency, which is online is Sarah Rose And there you will find my articles for copywriting, my copywriting work. And if you, would like to hire me to write something for your company, I would love to get in touch. So that's how you can find me. Um, I'm on all the other things too, but you know, those are the main ones. And Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate uh, you sharing everything and your time. And I really do look forward to seeing you create this incredible um, empire that you said uh, in the next 10 years and really being able to give back to the community. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your time and um, yeah, I'll see you later. Thank you, Boo Boo.
Thank you so much to Sarah for such an incredible episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. This week's Buddhist quote of the day is, a person fully awakening to the jewel-like dignity of their own life is capable of truly respecting that same treasure in others by Daisaku Ikeda. Thank you so much for listening and watching here on YouTube. Please go ahead and give us that like. It really helps out and supports. And if you would like to, go ahead and subscribe and hit that ding bell for any notifications when the new episode drops. And until then, I will say bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Please go ahead and subscribe, rate us, and write a review. And follow me at Alan Zaki on social media. I look forward to having more amazing creative dialogues on the next episode.